Welcome to Helping Challenging Children. This podcast is for adults who want to understand why children behave the way they do and how to support them to increase their ability to self-regulate and to become more independent. My name is Dr. Pat McGuire. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who and I have been working with these children for over 30 years, and I can tell you that with the right support, they all do great. So enjoy these podcasts, and hopefully you learn a little bit each time. Greetings. What do you understand about the anxiety behaviors of children? I hope you realize that we all feel anxious at times, like when you see a police car behind you on the road or when you must see the dentist, or if your boss asks you to come to his office to discuss something. Anxiety is the concern about how a situation will turn out. Your brain begins to form questions about what may occur. You may begin practicing how to reply to some possible questions. But what if you are concerned but don't really know why? That would be called worry. Worries are concerns about the unknown, such as, could it rain next week? What if I spill my coffee on my shirt in front of the boss? Is there someone in my closet? Is it normal for a child to have anxiety? The answer is yes. Anxiety is hardwired into the limbic system of our brain. That is our fight or flight system. This is the only well-developed part of the brain in newborns besides the brain stem, which controls sleep and alertness, heart rate, and breathing, for example. Anxiety is our early warning system so that we don't fall prey to disasters, like dinosaurs for the cave dweller. Infants have their system on alert 24-7, since they have no experience to decide what is safe and what is not. They rely on caregivers, such as their parents, to help them feel safe. Parents do this by feeding them, changing their diapers, holding them, and speaking softly to them. Parents come to their infants when they fuss. As they get a little older, parents are there to introduce toys to these children, other people, and pets. They model how to do things like pick up Cheerios. Most of the anxiety which babies and small children show is normal, and it's called situational anxiety. Even older children and adolescents have normal or situation anxiety. Think of their first day of school. What about having to be in the winter music program at school? The day of a test, their first date. So what causes anxiety in children? There are some babies, children, and adolescents, however, whose anxiety is more than expected. It may have overlapped into worry. There are several reasons for this to happen. Temperament, which are traits of behavioral or emotional responses that we all have, is one factor which makes a child or adolescent more vulnerable to anxiety. The traits frequently elevated in anxious youth are rhythmicity, which deals with the sense of time moving around them or organizational abilities, approachability, 
how long it takes to get comfortable with new people, places, situations, adaptability, which is handling transitions and changes, and basic mood, which for these children are more negative. So they think of the worst case scenarios. There are also the impact of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. Different adverse childhood events can lead youth to become more anxious sooner or remain anxious longer. These events include being abused or neglected, witnessing domestic abuse, or having a family member in jail or using drugs. Their lives are unstable, leaving them on edge. They don't know what is going to happen or not happen in the next few minutes, hours, or days. Life events, such as trauma due to injuries or weather events, can also cause anxiety. Many children and adults develop anxiety problems or PTSD after a single life event, such as what occurred with the derechos in Iowa, the wildfires out west, and the hurricanes in the south. There are stable environments that are now damaged. These children don't know if or when things will get back to normal. So what are behaviors that would suggest anxiety in a child or a teen? Well, as adults, we often think of anxiety as sweating, pacing, and being jittery. But is that what anxiety really looks like in children? Or is it different based on the age of the person? Many anxious behaviors of children and adolescents may be mistaken for attention-seeking behaviors, oppositional and defiant behaviors, or apathy. This can depend on the age and on whether it's an anxiety in a boy or a girl. Boys are known to use words less and actions more. Girls tend to voice their fears more and ask for reassurance. With babies, most of the behaviors would consist of being more fretful or hard to calm down. They may not sleep as well, or they shut down if overwhelmed. Starting with toddlerhood and going forward, there are many more behaviors that can be seen. Examples from the AAP fact sheet on anxiety of common behaviors includes recurring fears and worries about routine parts of everyday life, physical complaints like stomach aches or headaches, trouble concentrating, trouble sleeping, fear of social situations, fear of leaving home, fear of separation from a loved one, and refusing to go to school. Many children and adolescents with anxiety will also have comorbid disorders, in particular ADHD and depression. What should you not say to a child with anxiety? When talking about fear, as a parent, you may find that your child is clingier to you, pushes to sleep in your bed, or have you sleep in their bed with them. They may demand that you go with them to places that other kids have no problem going to alone, like the kitchen, the basement, or even the bathroom. You may be tempted to try to shame them into going on their own by saying things like, oh, you're too old to sleep with me, or you're too old to be afraid of the basement, the kitchen, the bathroom, or worse yet, don't be such a baby. 
Such statements as this only minimize what they are experiencing. It does not provide them with safety that they're looking for to do what they know they need to do. A potential and likely consequence of such statements, especially if used frequently, would be the progression of the anxiety problems into an anxiety disorder. A disorder has negative impacts on most of the child's day. One child and adolescent in five develops one or more anxiety disorders. At least that many have anxiety problems which negatively affect parts of their day, but not the entire day. So what are the anxiety disorders that children and adolescents can have? Well, there are several disorders under the anxiety label. Some have changed their names over the decades as the origins and behaviors have been better understood. The current list of anxiety disorders, according to the DSM-5, are separation anxiety disorder, which in school-age children can show up as school refusal, selective mutism, specific phobia, social phobia, agoraphobia, which is fear of crowds due to the fear of having panic attacks in front of others, panic disorder, and generalized anxiety disorder. How do you help a highly anxious child? There are many levels of help for the anxious child or adolescent based on whether she is at an occasional situation that is anxiety triggering, the anxiety has reached a problem level of several different situations each day that can trigger anxiety, or if your child has a full-blown anxiety disorder. The first step for any of these levels is being open to listening and empathizing with what your child is experiencing. I have an example from when my oldest was invited to a birthday party in elementary school. She wanted to go, but was full of what ifs. What if my friend doesn't like the gift I bring? What if I wear the wrong clothes? What if I get sick there? What if I don't know any of the other kids? And it went on and on. I sat down with her and said the following. Would you like me to stay a bit longer when I drop you off so you can check on some of those concerns? That way, we could just say that you couldn't stay longer because we had another appointment. Or would you rather I just come back early? That way, if you're not having a good time because one of your concerns happened, you can leave early. She chose the second option. When I returned, she was having a great time. I told her I was glad that her concerns had not ruined the birthday party. She was glad too. She did admit to a few minutes of anxiety, but the mother noticed and supported her. I had learned not to say, I knew you would have a good time because then she would disagree with me and bring up the problems that did occur as proof that I didn't know what I was talking about. We use this planning routine quite often during elementary school. By middle school, she had learned how to do the planning herself. She would then come to me with the plan. She still uses this strategy as an adult, although she will give herself permission to choose the option and leave on her own schedule. The important message from this example is that we need to listen to our child's worries. You need to label them with more neutral terms, such as concerns, 
rather than worries which can sound condescending. You need to work with your child to come up with options to responding to these concerns. Now, you may have noticed that I didn't address each concern individually. I came up with a more generalized plan for any of them. It is important for you to work with your child and not tell her what to do. Encouraging your child to come up with options empowers her. If you don't agree with the option, accept it anyway as an option. Encourage her to come up with other options too. If she can't find any other options, you can say, well, what do you think about doing this? You're not telling her, you're asking her opinion and her agreement if needed. Most children and adolescents with anxiety disorders benefit from therapy, frequently called cognitive behavioral therapy. This means that the therapist will help your child to use the non-emotional part of her brain to walk through her concerns, looking at how she came to believe that worry, and as well as how she can learn to quiet many of the worries once she has learned what worries are and what are legitimate reasons to experience anxiety. Medications can also help your child and adolescent, but it shouldn't always be the first tool used to help your child because medications are not perfect. They can have side effects and they don't teach skills. It is essential to work with your child's school to address her anxiety with empathy and support. Too many times I have dealt with schools that felt that the term anxiety was overused and an excuse for not doing things and bad behavior. Educate them as best you can, but also advocate for your child's right to supports and accommodations. Your child won't necessarily be happy since that will also cause her anxiety, but working with her to make the changes will help her find her own voice for advocacy, which is what we want for her. So what do I want you to take away from this week's podcast? First, anxiety is normal at all ages. Excessive anxiety can be due to a clash between the child and her temperament, her environment, and or a life event. Anxiety comes in three sizes. There are instances, which happen to everyone at times. There are problems which occur at about the same rate as disorders, but only cause difficulties at times. And then there are disorders which occur in one in every five children and adolescents, and it can impair their ability to function every day. Listening and working with your child using empathetic language will provide tools for her to gain control over her, over her anxiety. Therapy and medications are also tools that can benefit, but work with them. Don't let them be the end-all answer. Mm 